Section 16 of An Explorer in the Air Service. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. An Explorer in the Air Service by Hiram Bingham. Section 16 the plain news our weekly paper of which we were very proud and on which we depended for all sorts of inspiration both serious and humorous was called the plain news started under the auspices of colonel kilner in november nineteen seventeen and printed by hand on an ancient mimeograph it laid claim to being the first newspaper of the American Expeditionary Forces that was entirely edited and printed by soldiers. Seeing the advantage of being able to brighten a despondent community by this weekly budget of news and good cheer, Miss Given Wilson, then directrice of the Red Cross activities at Issoudun, secured the funds wherewith a real press and printing office were established in camp during nineteen eighteen this little paper steadily grew in influence and importance although from time to time its personnel had to be changed owing to the exigencies of military service by the middle of the year it had become recognized as the official organ of the american air service in france shortly after my arrival lieutenant h m og who had been acting as officer in charge of the plain news was ordered away and his place was taken by captain leo r sack who had had plenty of journalistic experience in washington as a newspaper man captain sack thoroughly appreciated the importance of having the paper run in such a way as to be read by the largest number in order to do the greatest possible amount of good under his guidance the plain news increased in size circulation and influence as a means of raising our spirits and keeping us steadily at work in the face of great difficulties it was of supreme importance to the camp the plain news was most fortunate in having on its permanent staff two artists of first-class ability and ingenuity sergeant george d alexander and private timoleon johnston their series of cartoons depicting various features of camp life and aviation experience were enjoyed by thousands every week the associate editor was private jean d robinson whose epistles of peter rank high as keen comment on the conduct of the war veiled in humorous vein of a trip to paris he wrote as follows a guy should get a taxi without talking to the driver as their meters run on just the same when you're talking always have your home address in your pocket as the ride may be finished in an ambulance don't ask the driver where you are going as he will figure that you want to tour the city anyway and the only place he won't take you is the top of the eiffel tower but he will add that on the bill anyway the taxi will finally stop when it runs out of gas and if the name of the street is rue de bill it's probably the place you're bound for pay the bill and if he says anything tell him that he need not deliver the car to you but to keep the money anyway 
If you go in a cafe at eleven o'clock, the waiter will get around about one o'clock. There is nothing on the menu to eat, no matter how careful you read it. And when the food comes, you don't know whether to salt and pepper it or to use a nutcracker. While you are studying, the waiter will ask for a tip because the clock strikes two o'clock. Tell him to bring you the leaf of a tree, a limp dish rag with icing, something sweet and slimy on the scalloped tail of a high-geared snail, and he will say something in French, probably that his daughter sprained her ankle while taking a violin lesson. But outside of that, everything will be lovely. I guess I will close now, as I got to be in a battle today, which may decide the war, and I wish you would send them ten bucks you owe me, Steve. Yours till Germany goes democratic, Pete. Occasionally, we got a letter, the publication of which in the plain news helped to cheer everybody up, such as the following from Colonel Kilner. I desire to commend the work of you and your staff at the 3rd AIC in the training of pursuit pilots. Officers at the front state that the pursuit pilots now being received at the front are the best that have ever been turned out and are highly pleased with their performance. Request that you convey this commendation to all concerned. Editorially, the plain news remarked, such positive proof of the effectiveness of the school is gratifying. All along we have felt that we were on the right track and that the pilots that were graduated from the school to the front would reflect high credit on their country and on the air service. Only the fittest survive here, but if they cannot make good here, why send unfit pilots to the front where the life or death of thousands of doughboys depends upon their efforts? It is pleasing to know that the pursuit pilots now being received at the front are the best that have ever been turned out, and that officers are highly pleased with their performances. With every officer and man and every student officer at the 3rd AIC on his toes to make good, and all working with energy and enthusiasm that cannot be equaled, there is every reason to believe we will continue to send the best pilots to the front. From time to time, the plain news would raise the ambitions of our pilots by printing articles concerning work done by graduates of the school after they had gone to the front. Here is an article of this type about Lieutenant Frank Luke, Jr., who won undying fame in his few weeks at the front. Luke is gone, but the memory of his exploits will remain long after this war is forgotten. As a balloon strafer, he had no equal, and he seemed to take a keen delight in this most dangerous of aviation combats. His plan of attack was simple. A German balloon would be located, and Luke, with several other pilots, would climb into the clouds, and when, at a point above the balloon, he would dive out of the clouds, followed partway down by the rest of the formation, whose particular part would be to start a dogfight with the Fokkers protecting the balloon. Luke would continue his nose-dive regardless of the arches that would by this time be sprinkling the air with their shrapnel souvenirs. When within a few hundred feet of the victim, he would let go a burst of incendiary bullets. Immediately there would be a flash of flame skywards. Two figures would shoot earthward, and two parachutes would gracefully open up like a lady's fan. The show would be over quicker than it takes to tell it. 
Luke would immediately zoom up and join the dogfight, if it still continued. But generally it would be over by the time he gained the same altitude, one side or the other having been defeated. Luke's greatest feat, and one that probably will never be equaled, was on September the 18th, when he brought down three planes and two balloons in 12 minutes. Most of Luke's victories were shared by pilots in his flight, who held off the Fokkers while Luke got the balloons. The officer who teamed with Luke, and who shares the most victories with him, is First Lieutenant Joseph F. Weiner. 27th Aero Squadron of Lynn, Massachusetts, who has to his credit seven balloons and two planes. Lieutenant Weiner has since been shot down. The last scene of him was on September the 18th, fighting five Fokkers while protecting Luke. In the operation office of the first pursuit group, to which Luke belonged, is a large piece of cardboard fastened on the wall. At the top, printed in one-inch letters, are the words Hall of Fame, and underneath are the names of the pilots who have brought down one or more German planes or balloons. After each name is a small facsimile of an iron cross, each cross meaning a victory. There are eighteen of these crosses after Luke's name. They were placed there in the short space of seventeen days, another record that will probably never be equaled. The last heard of Lieutenant Luke was on September the 29th, when he dropped a note to an American balloon squadron stationed near Verdun, which read, Watch for burning balloons. Shortly afterwards, two German balloons were seen to go up in flames. Luke did not return. He was entirely alone on his last expedition. No one saw him go down, and how he came to his end will probably never be known. The official record reads as follows. 2nd Lieutenant Frank Luke, Jr. Phoenix, Arizona. 27th Aero Squadron. 1st Pursuit Group. Record. 14 balloons, 4 planes. Missing since September 18. We often had occasion to remind our students of the fact that Luke had had considerable difficulty in the first part of the course, and had been sent back once or twice for failing to satisfy his instructors. He was the kind, however, whom nothing could discourage, and he would take every opportunity to secure all the instruction and practice in flying that could possibly be obtained. The plain news was particularly useful in the trying days after the fighting had ceased. One of the schemes it helped to develop in order to make time pass more rapidly was thus described. A new sport, one that can be played only on a flying field, sprang into popularity here last Saturday when teams of airplane mechanics, working against time, demonstrated to a huge crowd on the main field just how fast an airplane can be disassembled and subsequently completely rigged ready for the pilot. The initial contest created keen enthusiasm, and the routers cheered the workers on their work with the same spirit that fans encouraged the progress of baseball, football, and track teams. The interest created is especially gratifying, as this combination of work and play had not been tried out before. 
The contest also demonstrated how fast American airplane mechanics can work, as the slowest team finished in better time than it was anticipated would be necessary for the winning team. The ship used for the initial contest was the Nieuport Type 27 with a 120 horsepower Le Rhone motor. Too much credit cannot be given the men comprising the competitive teams, whether they be of the winning one or the last to finish, for the pep displayed, and particularly the ingenuity in tools and special equipment used as time-savers, as all sorts of jigs and special tools were to be seen. Inquiry of the engineering officers of the various fields brought out the facts that they were the tools regularly used on the fields and were the results of the ideas of the mechanics engaged in different work nothing in the way of tools being furnished by the government for this work it being up to the mechanics themselves to design and make tools to save time and the results of saturday's contest speak only too eloquently as to how they have met the emergency the contest was won by the team from field eight composed of the following ship crew sergeants first class harry f woodring and charles f paulson corporal harry bearcroft and privates first class michael dolphin and frank l latcher motor crew sergeants aaron i rose bernard j gorman and henry r clark total time consumed for the four operations was ninety-seven and one-fifth minutes this includes the penalization of one and a fifth minutes on the first operation the second team was that of assembly and test composed of the following ship crew sergeants first class c winkler c w misfelt and t w reardon and sergeants r w lyon and a j johnston motor crew sergeant first class g w perrier sergeant r s johnson and corporal f r moore time was a hundred and three minutes for the four operations third to finish was field five teams comprising the following ship crew sergeants first class jesse parcell and albert busk and sergeants frederick gordon chester tidland and john downey motor crew sergeants first class theodore holmes and william h mcmahon and sergeant buren manwiller time a hundred and four minutes the total operation of which time is given above was composed of four separate operations first being that of disassembling the ship lashing the wings to the side of the fuselage ready for transporting second operation that of reassembling the ship lining same ready for flight safetying all bolts nuts and turnbuckles so that it would pass inspection these two operations were done by what we have called ship crews composed of five men the third and fourth operations were namely the taking out of the motor and installing of the motor in the ship including starting of same this was handled by what we have called motor crews composed of three men the following is a table of figures showing the time taken 
by different crews for the different operations, and it will be interesting to note that it was anyone's contest up until the last moment. First operation. Field 14, 13 minutes. Field 8, 13 and a half minutes. Field 7, 15 minutes. Second operation. Assembly and test, 25 minutes. Field 7, 31 and 4 fifth minutes. Field 8, 37 and a half minutes. Field 5, 37 and 3 fifth minutes. Third operation. Aero repair, 13 and 4 fifth minutes. Field 8, 15 and a half minutes. Field 14, 18 and 2 fifths minutes. Field 5, 18 and 4 fifth minutes. Fourth operation. Field 5, 29 and 2 fifth minutes. Field 8, 31 minutes. Assembly and test, 33 and 4 fifth minutes. The second contest of the series will be staged this afternoon on the main field with Nieuport 23-meter planes, equipped with 80-horsepower Leron motors, cash prize of 200 francs for the first and 100 francs for the team second under the wire will be given by the Plain News. The Plain News also has provided for the purchase of banners for the winners. The second contest aroused keen competition, and further reductions were made in the time for the four operations. The sporting editor of the Plain News wrote this report. Spurred by the presence of a large crowd and two bands, the Mainfield and Field 7 organizations, 300 francs prize money and the desire to hang up a record, air service mechanics staged a real sporty exhibition of the new sport of disassembling and assembling an aeroplane on the main field Saturday afternoon. Minutes were clipped off the records made on the previous contest, and it is believed that the winners ran up a record for 23-meter Nieuports that will stand for some time to come. The increasing number of ingenious tools that have been made by the different crews were quite noticeable. There were very few penalties considering the time taken for the entire four operations, and all expectations have been surpassed. There is no doubt that the air nats of this centre would be able to hold their own against any and all competition. Results of Saturday's contest are as follows. First, Field 2, A. 1 hour, 2 minutes, 40 seconds. Second, Field 7. 1 hour, 7 minutes, 10 seconds. Third, Aero Repair. 1 hour, 8 minutes, 45 seconds. Probably the most remarkable thing to take place in the way of fast workmanship was in the third operation, where the Aero Repair took out the motor in 11 minutes. The Field 2A team, which won the first prize of 200 francs, donated by the Plain News, was composed of the following men. Sergeants Marson, Brindle, Rust, Pierce, McFadden, and Corporals Horn, Dotson, and Mueller. Field 7's team, which won the second prize of 100 francs, was composed of men from the 37th, 640th, and 173rd squadrons. M. E. Campbell, Sergeants Bowman, Barbie, Peck, Yepsen, Phelps, and chauffeurs Hamilton and Lewis. 
Before closing this brief account of the activities undertaken by the Plain News, I must give one more of its interesting stories about Issoudun. The bravery and daring of American aviators is not confined to active service at the front, as the following remarkable experience of a student pilot at this advanced training center will prove. The monitor was giving instructions, and upon the day the accident occurred, the monitor, as usual, rose in the air ahead of the pilot, who followed, and the two planes quickly sought an altitude of 5,000 feet. Then began a series of maneuvers, the monitor demonstrating for the benefit of his student. The lieutenant suddenly dove at the instructor, expecting him to get out of his line of flight. Through some miscalculation or misjudgment of distance, the monitor held his plane too near the diving plane, and the engine head of the student's plane collided with his wings. With one wing crushed, and with such force of momentum that it was impossible to gain even a fraction of control, the monitor's plane dropped like a stone to the earth, resulting in the instant death of the instructor. A peculiar feature of the accident was the cutting of the engine's fastenings of the student's plane to such an extent that the engine dropped from its place and fell to the ground. The result was the destruction of any resemblance of balance, and the plane wobbled uncertainly on unsteady wings. Seeing and grasping the situation instantly, the pilot steadied the plane against a probable fall by shifting his body so as to counter the loss of balance, and so succeeded in keeping the plane on a fairly even keel. Then started a series of glides controlled by the shifting of the weight of his body, that for coolness and daring have few parallels. Seizing a moment when the plane rode at an even keel, the student mounted quickly upon the fuselage at full length, and again steadying the machine, he started his descent to the ground, with no control except the weight of his body against a counter-inclination of the unbalanced plane to flutter into a fall. Any panic or nervousness upon his part would have resulted in death and knowing this and realizing that the odds were heavily against him the lieutenant manipulated the controls of the plane and worked his bodily balance control as calmly as if he was ten feet from the earth the ground gradually shaped into a recognizable view and with his admirable coolness the lieutenant glided to earth with a landing worthy of a finished pilot the remarkable nerve and firm determination of the pilot had won the day and saved his life. The whole daring performance had been observed by the pilot of another plane, which had followed the wounded plane downwards, unable to give the slightest aid. The pilot of the second plane was wearer of the Croix de Guerre, and had fought air battles at the front where scenes of reckless daring and paramount bravery were commonplace to him but he later stated that the feat of the student pilot was one of the most remarkable for coolness and bravery that he had ever witnessed. End of section 16